Welcome to Arkansas AgCast, your source for the latest news and views in Arkansas agriculture. Arkansas AgCast is produced by the Arkansas Farm Bureau Federation. Welcome to the Arkansas AgCast for July 9th. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. This week, we learn what the ongoing COVID-19 outbreak will mean for the 2020 Arkansas State Fair and Livestock Show. And we talk to a University of Arkansas professor about a recent grant to support technology research that could help the poultry industry. We also learn all about the Arkansas Youth Expo. It was recently announced that the 2020 Texas State Fair and the Oklahoma City State Fair have been canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And in Arkansas, a number of county fairs have announced cancellation for this year. So will there be an Arkansas State Fair and Livestock Show this October? That's the big question that Farm Bureau's Ken Moore posed to State Fair President and General Manager Doug White. On this edition of Arkansas AgCast, I'm speaking with Mr. Doug White. Uh, He is President and General Manager of the Arkansas State Fair. Uh, And Mr. White, thank you very much for joining us on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. Ken, it's my pleasure. Uh, as we know, uh, we're still a little bit out in front uh, of the discussion about the Arkansas State Fair, but these are unprecedented times that we're living in right now, and decisions are having to be made uh, prematurely, perhaps, or earlier than normal about and, and concerning the State Fair, whether or not there will even be a State Fair concern because of the COVID-19 pandemic that we're all still having to deal with uh, I know you're dealing with that on a daily basis, Mr. White, and and can you tell our listeners today, will there be an Arkansas State Fair and Livestock Show this fall? I would love to be able to tell the listeners out there that we're going to have a fair. We're close to a decision, Ken. Um, The board of directors met last week, and we kind of just laid out all of the factors that that we're going to have to address. And it, it's funny because, well, ironic, I suppose, because once we get an answer to one question, it seems like 10 more pop up. And so risk mitigation becomes such a crucial aspect. I will tell you personally that the fair will look a lot different if if we do have a fair. I cannot envision in phase two that we're in as a state that we would be able to have a carnival or a midway. There's just no way to social distance. Um, with 40,000 people on a midway on a Friday night. So that, that that's probably going to go away. So now what does the fair experience look like? Do you have food trucks? We could do that. We can social distance. We had a food fair uh, a couple of weeks ago that was a huge success. Do you have livestock? Are you – these kids have bought animals. They're raising these animals. They're working with them daily. This is a big deal to come to the State Fair of Arkansas but can we do it in a social distancing world? Those are the questions that we're going to need to answer. And in a couple of weeks, the board's going to give us a, a drop-dead date that says either yay or nay. Well, we just, we'll just wait and find out. We'll keep in touch with you when the board makes that decision and you have some more specifics. But uh, uh, decisions are being made in other states, I understand. Uh, we got the news this morning. It was announced or released late yesterday afternoon that uh, the difficult decision was made to cancel the Texas State Fair. Do you think there will be a domino effect from that across the country? I will tell you that that sent shockwaves uh, in the industry. I had a Zoom call with the International Association of Fair and Expos uh, about 10 days ago, 
And of the top 100 fairs in the nation, of which Arkansas is one, I think we're 36th or something in terms of size, um, 62 have already announced that they are canceling. So, uh, and I suspect that number is going to go up. Um, just recently we heard Oklahoma. That was another bombshell. Oklahoma is in phase three. They have no social distancing mandates, no uh, face mask requirements. And yet they made the decision to not have to hold a fair, not even a livestock uh, aspect. Uh, Texas, as you saw yesterday, made the same announcement. There has to be a domino effect, I would think. Um, so we had a call with the governor yesterday. He was gracious enough to give us give us some time and just talk about some of these issues. And we just want, we didn't want him to give us a decision or a mandate, but just how, what's he thinking? And he agreed with us that the midway was an impossibility. Beyond that, the commitment that we make to livestock, which is our very mission, is such that we really have to see, is there a way that we can have a livestock show and do it safely? And so we're going to put the numbers together. We're going to give the board a plan. It all uh, presumes that we get Department of Health approval with the said plan, and we'll go from there. But, uh, yeah, there's, there, there is definitely a domino effect going on right now in the industry. Wow. Wow. Un, un, unreal. Uh, well, as we know, we're just about to uh, enter into very, very soon at the end of this month and through the month of September, uh, the county fair season. And uh, those, of course, precede the state fair. And a lot of those livestock shows are kind of a precursor to the statewide livestock show. Uh, what kind of decisions? I know they're independent of the state fair. The, each county can make its own decisions, those local county boards. But are you hearing anything about those? Yes, I am. And uh, it's, it's not the best news. If, if some of these fairs, uh, the county fairs and district fairs, began, as you said, in July. Those that, ha that had a July date pretty much all have canceled. Um, some of the August ones are still debating whether or not they can have it. Um, but as of last week, um, I know that Stone County, Bradley County, Sharp, Fulton, Independence, White, uh, Johnson, and Marion counties all have announced that they will not be holding a, a, their county fairs. And the reason they're not doing it is not because uh, of livestock necessarily. It's because they can't have a carnival. And uh, uh, when we were even in phase two uh, with 66 percent, a lot of the carnival operators are saying, I can't I can't make money w with that limitation. So uh, they're opting to stand down. Some of these smaller carnivals are not touring right now. And that makes it very difficult because that's the money that's the money generator for these county fairs that allows them to have the livestock show. It's the same position I'm in. The, the, the fact that we're not going to have a midway is, is, is terrifying to me because that's, that's our revenue generator. If we don't have a midway, we don't have to pay a charge admission. We don't have ticketing. We, we save a lot of the expenses from a manpower standpoint, but, but that revenue is going to be deeply missed. And I was going to ask, uh, you know, for all of these large events, uh, we've seen uh, throughout the summer, starting back in uh, early June, uh, and then going through the end of uh, or the mid part of August, we have uh, uh, local events: the Pink Tomato Festival. We have these local festivals in different counties. Bradley County has the Pink Tomato Festival. Johnson County has the Peach Festival. Hempstead County has the Watermelon Festival, and then there's others. Uh, Toadsuck Days. All of these events are revenue generators for these local communities. 
So so is the state fair for you and for the city of Little Rock. Uh, what does it mean economically if you have to cancel? It, it, it it's not. It, w- it won't be devastating. And and here's why, Ken. Uh, we have events year round through the on the, on our fairgrounds, and and a lot of those events can be done from a social distancing standpoint and uh, and can be done safely. So we've got events that we've had probably 20 events already this year. We've got seven or eight more scheduled outside of the fair. So we, we, we can end the year in a healthy cash position even if sure. we don't have a fair. Okay. Yes. Now, the, the, the risk is – what happened? Uh, a case in point: Dade County. Dade County was one of the is one of the biggest fairs, a top ten fair in the nation, down in Florida. It kind of kicks off the state fair season. They were ready to go March seventeenth, and you already know where I'm going with this. The mm-hmm. carnival was set up. All the carnies were there. All the campers were there. All the livestock was there. All the money preparations, etc., were done. And uh, and on Thursday. The day before their fair was supposed to begin on on Friday, they canceled, and so all of those sunk costs they wow. ate quite quite a bit of it. That's that's what keeps me up at night. Uh, because the board and and with the governor's blessing has said no carnival. Well, I do save that expense. There's not that risk involved, so we mitigated that uh, you know almost by happenstance. Uh, so the real cost for us is going to be what, it, what does it cost to have a livestock show knowing that you're not going to get revenue from the carnival to help uh, support it. And that's where we're going to have to ask our, our financial partners to step up and help us out. And the ag community is always so supportive. I think we can get that done even in these, these uh, pandemic times that we live in. Well, I know there have been a number of out-of-state jackpot livestock shows that uh, our young people travel to uh, in anticipation of our fall season here in Arkansas. Uh, As you know, Arkansas Farm Bureau is a major sponsor of the Junior Livestock Auction, which uh, these young people really depend on to to sell their champion animals, uh, to make money for college and and other needs. Uh, So that's key, and I know that's kind of of what it's going to boil down to, isn't it? You just can't tell these young people they cannot show and sell their animals this fall. That's, that's, will, that's that'll the, be the decision. That will be the decision. And, Ken, I think the board, and you know uh, our board is, is extremely supportive of ag and representative of the ag community. Certainly. I think they, they want us to have a livestock show. And if they want it, we'll make it happen. And I can do it. I, we, it and I think it, there are advantages now that, that weren't afforded to us if we had a, a – a, a traditional fair will have more space. Obviously, we can spread it out. We can use all the facilities, uh, and, and and hopefully, and, and we don't have to be limited to the ten days of the fair. If they wanted to start a week earlier, just to be able to have a limited number of kids for each uh, event, we could do that. So it does provide us with an opportunity, a kind of a clean slate. It's just managing the expenses and making sure that we get our corporate sponsors to to, to come on. Well, we always look forward to uh, being out at the fair, you know, for the run of the fair. Uh, we have a lot of staff that uh, serve out there at the uh, livestock show uh, every year, and, and it's just something we all look forward to. And it's unfortunate that uh, every state in the nation is having to make these difficult decisions on how it's going to look and if they'll even be able to uh, have one and, and yet protect the public. So it's encouraging 
Mr. White, to hear you say that we can distance out there at the fairgrounds and you could have a livestock show even without the midway. So uh, thank you for bringing us up to date on that. And let's just, uh, we'll keep in touch. And when the board makes its final decision, uh, please let us know so we can get that word out. Ken, I would be happy to. You'll be the first to know. And I do want to thank, express my sincere gratitude to your team and Warren. And you're absolutely right. Your presence uh, at the at the livestock show is 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 the preeminent presence from a corporate standpoint. And we love everything that Farm Bureau does for us. Well, we enjoy being there. It's also a very important way for us to reach the public with ag education. I know a number of FFA students and others are. Uh, out there on the grounds, uh, meeting with the public, informing them about the importance of agriculture in Arkansas. And we certainly hope we might get to do that again with you this year. As do I, sir. All right. Well, we've been speaking with Mr. Doug White, President and General Manager of the Arkansas State Fair, on this edition of Arkansas AgCast. Next, Keith Sutton talks to Eric Walker, President of the Arkansas Youth Expo, about the organization's mission and its four-day inaugural livestock show event set for October at the Washington County Fairgrounds in Fayetteville. Welcome to AgCast. This is Keith Sutton with Arkansas Farm Bureau. Today, I am visiting with Eric Walker, who is the President of the Arkansas Youth Expo. Welcome to AgCast, Eric. Hey, thank you very much. We, uh, we're excited to talk to you about this uh, uh, new event that's coming up this fall. Uh, why don't you uh, kind of start out by just giving folks an idea of what is Arkansas Youth Expo? You bet. You bet. Well, uh, uh, several years ago, we had several people that we uh, show with and uh, have contact with throughout the state and uh, just encouraged to to a new livestock exposition for the youth of Arkansas. And uh, that's kind of what it's became. It's a, a market animal show and a breeding animal show. Uh, we got sheep, hogs, uh, cattle, and goats that'll exhibit. And it's for junior exhibitors from the age of five all the way up to 21, trying to reach all 4-H and FFA members across the state. Is this uh, different than uh the livestock shows at the fair? Yeah, yes, sir, it definitely is. Uh, you know, uh, all my life I've grown up at the Arkansas State Fair, and I, I love the State Fair, and I, I think the State Fair is a great uh, thing for kids. But w we are different. We are uh, we do not have a carnival. We don't have concerts, uh, that kind of thing. It is strictly focused on the kids and their exhibits uh, and their and their livestock showing and. Uh, uh, like, like I've told several people, it, it is just another alternative to give those kids the opportunity uh, to come show off the exhibits that they've worked all year long on. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard for those kids to uh, work all year and not get a lot of options to show. So we, we just felt it was a great opportunity to uh, uh, bring some agriculture to northwest Arkansas to these large corporate businesses up here and show them, you know, really what, what ag kids are all about, and and that's what I I say more than anything is that uh, uh, whether what part of business you're in, it doesn't matter. If you get the opportunity to get one of these ag kids that's learned uh, the discipline of, of going out every morning to feed their animal, uh, uh, the dedication, uh, the life skills they learn through these livestock projects, 
uh, are so beneficial to uh, businesses. And so that's why I encourage kids to get involved in these livestock projects because I think it's a tremendous building block for them for their future. And, and so uh, we just wanted to create a new livestock exposition that kids could be rewarded for that hard work. Excellent. So if, uh, if I'm a youngster, uh, what kind of animals uh, could I consider entering in this competition? You bet. We, uh, like I said before, we, we have uh, market hogs, which can be either barrows or gilts. We have uh, market goats, uh, does or, or weathers, either one. We have a market lamb show, which is, again, uh, uh, ewes or weathers. Um, we have a market steer show, and we have a breeding heifer show. And this is our inaugural year. This is the first year. Uh, next year, our goal is to, per, uh, to add some more things. We'll add uh, breeding goats. We'll add breeding uh, uh, sheep and breeding hogs as well, uh, wanting to incorporate uh, Arkansas bread and owned uh, items as well. Uh, like I told a lot of people, they, they asked, hey, can I, are you going to do this or that? And I said, well, it's our first year we want to uh, learn to walk before we run. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Well, there's, uh, there's a lot of children, I'm sure, around the state and teens who, who would like to participate. If, uh, if they're interested, tell us uh, where they go to get some more information. Absolutely. Uh, we have a website, and that website is Youth expo.com so ar for arkansas youth expo.com that website will show you through most of everything we went through our nomination process and uh, those nominations were due july 1st but we are still accepting uh, late entries because it, it is uh, the first year but they would want to be pretty quick uh, uh, to get involved in that i would tell you we've had a great coverage from all over the state and uh, those entries have really poured in uh Tremendously, it's going to be a really big and and great show for the kids of Arkansas. Are there uh, prizes involved too? Uh, things like scholarships or or cash prizes? How does that work? Absolutely. Well, we we've been fortunate to get some scholarships, uh, or I mean, some prizes put together this year. Uh, I, I will tell you, COVID nineteen has affected us just as well, and I, I have several sponsors that love the idea. They're all behind Arkansas Youth Expo, but uh, because of the financial hardships of COVID-19, they've been a little reluctant to give what they hope to give in the future. So we hope it, it builds in the future. Um, just for instance, uh, Cimarron Trailers has been good to partner with us. Uh, they're out of Chickasha, Oklahoma, and uh, the five grand champions, that'd be the grand champion breeding heifer, the grand champion market hog, the grand champion market sheep, the Grand Champion Goat and uh, the Grand Champion Steer will receive the use of a brand-new aluminum trailer for the year. Uh, that'll say uh, Grand Champion AYE. Uh, they'll get that for a year. There's lots of other prizes for kids, um, whether they're grand. And, and we've even got some great prizes for kids that's a drawing. Just from participating in AYE, they'll be in a drawing and, and get some. Our long-range goals, obviously, uh, working with businesses is to provide scholarships for kids, uh, not only for four-year or two-year schools, but even trade schools. We we believe that any further education is, is a good thing, and, and uh, 
I'm actually a commercial bricklayer is how I make a living. And so I, I'm all supportive of trade schools as well. I, I think they're admirable uh, avenues for kids to pursue. But whether they want to go to a four-year college or a two-year college or a trade school, we hope to have scholarships in the near future uh, for them as well. Well, I guess it's really not all about prizes. It's really about ensuring that the youth that are involved are impacted with direct experiences that allow them to achieve more in life. Is that right? Oh, I completely agree. And, and like I'd said before, you know, uh, I'm a fourth generation uh, to show in Washington County. And uh, I truly believe the person who I am is based off of my years of uh, exhibiting cattle. Uh, we run a lot of cattle up here. My grandparents actually were sheep, uh, raised sheep, and uh, were very definite into that. And, and I just look at my family, for instance. I, you know, I, I'm big into the cattle. My son actually raises show goats. My, my daughter is a cattle girl, but she dates a sheep kid. And, and my <laughs> other daughter, daughter rides competitive horses. So, uh, you know, we're immersed in the agricultural field, and, and I wouldn't want my kids raised in any other field. Uh, I feel confident as they go out into the workforce, uh, they, they will be an asset that a business will want because they learned how to work hard. They learned how to be respectful. They learned uh, how to handle money. And, and, you know, when you start studying kids these days, there's not a lot of things they can get involved in that will prepare them for for the real world, world better than an ag project like this. Well, let's tell everybody uh, the dates and the location and tell them once again uh, how to find more information, please, Eric. Absolutely. Well, the Arkansas Youth Expo will be held October 4th through the 7th. It's going to be held in Fayetteville, Arkansas at the Washington County Fairgrounds. Uh, the best way to find information about the Arkansas Youth Expo is through our website. Uh, that is aryouthexpo.com. Uh, you can also look us up on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. Uh, and if, if anything of that fails, feel free to call me at 479-601-3567. Anything we can do to help the kids of Arkansas, we're all in and all about it. Well, we here at Farm Bureau wish you the very best of luck with this inaugural event, and uh, we hope that a lot of folks will get involved. Uh, maybe even some of those listening uh, will contact you about being a sponsor. Uh, we appreciate you taking time today to tell us all about the Arkansas Youth Expo. Well, I sure appreciate you, and I sure appreciate Farm Bureau. They are one of our leading sponsors at the Arkansas Youth Expo. And as, on behalf of the Arkansas Youth Expo staff, we sure appreciate Farm Bureau and their investment in the ag uh, kids of the future. Thank you very much, Eric. Thank you, sir. Finally, Greg Patterson talks with Casey Owens, Novus International Professor of Poultry at the University of Arkansas Division of Agriculture in Fayetteville. Owens has teamed with two other professors on a U.S. Poultry and Egg Association grant-funded study to determine if motion technology, similar to that used in Fitbits, can be helpful in assessing chicken breast meat quality. This is Greg Patterson with Arkansas Farm Bureau, and on this AgCast Ag Extra Edition, 
We've got Professor Casey Owens. She's the Novus International Professor of Poultry at the University of Arkansas's Division of Agriculture. And you've got, Casey, a great piece of research that you're going to be working on here, kind of brand new. Tell us about it. So uh, we've been working on some meat quality issues in our labs. My area of specialty is meat quality and poultry science. And so um, along with that, we've worked on different methods to detect um, uh, meat quality defects. And so one of those newer uh, ideas that um, we are starting to develop was really um, suggested by Dr. Lee in um, computer engineering at the University of Arkansas. Um, and he uh, approached me um, along with our, another colleague of ours, Dr. Um, Han and um, in Department of Animal Science. So this was um, about the use of accelerometers um, to help detect an issue known as woody breast in poultry meat. And so we're going to try to look at um, subtle vibrations in the meat um, or even in the uh, breast meat of or the breast muscle of the live bird. And so it's kind of the overall brief highlight of that. Um, we are in the initial stages of it, just had a project that was funded by U.S. Poultry. So we uh, are planning to start the research this fall and continue on through the next year. Now, tell, tell us a little bit about the, uh, the technology that's involved. What made you and, and Dr. Lee and Dr. Han go, okay, let's do this type of research? So again, Dr. Lee came to us because he works with sensors um, quite a bit in his research area. Um, and he approached me um, because I'd already been doing some work um, to look at different ways to identify um, these meat defects. We've done some vision and um, image analysis. And so again, the accelerometers are the technology that are in um, pieces of equipment like a Fitbit or other activity devices. Um, and in, most people are familiar with those things um, in terms of, you know, they can track your distance and things like that. But these sensors also have the ability to detect um, very subtle movements. And so that's kind of what we are focusing in on. So it's not like we want to see how far a bird travels, um, like in a pen or whatnot, but how the vibrations of that uh, muscle um, is, uh, you know, how, how much movement is within that muscle, for example. So the woody breast condition um, creates this kind of hardness. There's increase in collagen and connective tissue in the, in the muscle, and that may um, affect the vibrations. And so that's kind of the basis of that work. And so, again, Dr. Lee has um, done a lot of work with sensors, and so it's one of his ideas and just the kind of the vector of, of doing this. And so um, it's a good combination between us um, to, to develop something innovative potentially for the industry. So what are some of the advantages? I mean, obviously you're talking about being able to identify a piece of tough meat from a, from a better uh, uh, breast meat for a chicken. So what are, what are some of the advantages to the chicken industry to be able to identify 
woody breast condition. Right. So in the in the processing side, um, the technology um, would, you know, if it, if it works out well, um, the, and we have good um, evidence that, that there's a strong potential for it, but we could use it to sort the meat in the processing plant. So meat that has a higher severity or increased amount of collagen in the um, in the meat, you know, that could be sorted out. Um, some of that meat has some textural um, quality defects, I guess. So it's kind of a, this tougher or the uh, just a, a different um, texture associated with it. Um, and that's that's sometimes better for something where you can grind that product up, um, chop it down into making it into other forms rather than like a whole muscle. And so if that product can be identified in the plant, it could be sorted and then diverted away from products that um, those textural issues might be more important. Um, in, the, in the field, um, you know, we, if, if we could use this in the, on the live bird, um, we could potentially identify this very early on and I think it would be helpful in research purposes um, possibly genetic selection, you know, if there's um, some genetic companies out there that um, maybe could use that as a tool for their selection. Um, from an aspect in the industry overall, probably the, the um, use of this in the, in the field, again, would, would more so be from a research standpoint rather than, um, you know, an individual farmer using it on, you know, in his, in his houses or whatnot. So, yeah. so it's not a tool that you're targeting the research towards for, let's say, separation of birds, you know, in the field. No, not necessarily. It would be more so to help us identify birds early that we could study because there's still a lot of research going on um, in um, to, to determine what the, the root causes are. Right. You know, if there are some underlying genetic issues, you know, can we remove those from the population or um, are there stressors that may be influencing the development of this um, uh, problem in, in the field? So that those are the ways so we could study those things so that we could learn more and be able to help, you know, find mitigate, mitigation strategies um, to prevent that problem from happening. So, so this kind of research, if it works out well for the industry, is literally, who knows, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of, of interest to them. Yes, yes. So, yeah, it can cost the industry um, quite a bit of money um, in terms of when we do have this, it is just a quality issue. It's not a safety issue in the plant, but it um, can result in loss yield. Um, and... Uh, in terms of water holding capacity, you know, losing drip loss or does, you know, we do a lot of marination in the poultry industry. And so if we cannot pick up that marination and we lose yield that way, and some of the product in most severe forms may be discarded even. And so, or we just lose value because of diverting into other products away from a premium whole muscle product. So it could be now, very useful. Now, who, who has uh, provided the grant for you What's the dollar value on the grant? How long will it take to go through the process of the research? So U.S. Poultry and Egg Association, um, they're one of the, the trade organizations, and so they have a grant program. Um, they have awarded this grant to us. Um, 
The grant amount was um, approximately $50,000, give or take. Um, I forgot the, the, the absolute amount, but um, so it was more of a project to help us get our, um, you know, kind of just get our feet wet and running. And so hopefully if we are able to get, um, you know, make a lot of um, headway on this, we are, you know, we'll be able to um, submit for future um, federal funding for um, the, you know, the, the continued development of this, of this um, technology. So I, I don't think it's, we expect our research to last about a year in this phase. Um, but, you know, to optimize that, um, the uh, technology may take a little bit longer than that. And so we expect that, you know, it's not, not just going to be a one year project. We hope to continue this, you know, you know, through over the next few years to help optimize that and get it to a point where it could be used, um, you know, more productively in, in plant environment or in the field. Now, is it a well in the early stages of that? Is it a well beaten path from the computer science school over to the ag school with <laughs> ideas like this? It's kind of unique. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is unique. I've not worked with anybody over there um, before. Um, we um, and we don't really have a computer engineer in our department. Um, we do have an ag engineer, and he's he kind of works. Dr. Um, Yan Ben Lee. He's another Dr. Lee. Um, he's worked on other sensors um, for. Um, other issues, but not in this, not in this manner. And so it's, it is a um, kind of a newer um, collaboration. And so that's exciting as well, because you get different perspectives, um, you know, a lot of, um, you know, viewpoints from different people. To well, what's well, interesting too, and I'm sure, as you say, you're excited about it, it may open up uh, a multitude of future opportunities for for other research as you as you find out more in this initial research. Yes, mm -hmm. definitely. And that's where our colleague in animal science comes in because he has a lot of um, interest in the more than muscle biology. And so if we can identify um, using this technology to identify, identify birds early, we can collect samples that can again lead to more of our root, um, root causes of the issue. Anything else you'd like to add about this uh, novel research that you're fixing to get started this fall? No, we're just we're just excited about getting started. We're kind of hoping for all this um, coronavirus to kind of get out of our way so we can get things going at our, our farm. Our, our uh, research is kind of slowed down over the summer and so we're just hoping to get back at it um, and be able to, to collect the data that we need to continue on with the project and get it done within a timely manner. So the research itself will take place on the university rather than an actual, actual, you know, private farm, correct? Right. Yeah. So we have um, university farm facilities in our processing. We have a pilot processing plant um, on the Division of Ag um, campus. So, on the, so yep, it will take place if you, if, in Fayetteville. Well, I'm Greg Patterson with Arkansas Farm Bureau. And she is Dr. Casey Owens. She is the professor, Novus International Professor for Poultry at the University of Arkansas. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us on this uh, edition of Arkansas AgCast. Great, thank you for having me. That's all for this week's Arkansas AgCast. We'll be back next Thursday with more news and views on agriculture in the natural state.